Welcome to Dialogue Out Loud. My name is Margaret Olson Hemming. I am the art editor for Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought, and we are here today with Haley Labram Morrison, uh, who is one of the featured artists for the um, the upcoming issue of Exponent of Dialogue, which just came out. Um, and we're excited to have her here. Haley Labor Morrison is an interdisciplinary artist from Salt Lake City, Utah, living and working in Austin, Texas. Morrison's recent solo exhibitions include Tinkling Ornaments at Martha's Contemporary and Of or Off the Body at Doherty Arts Center. She also co-curated Howdy Stranger, a 40 artist exhibition at Foundry for the 221 Austin Studio Tours. She created and co-runs the ongoing critique group Crit Nights and co-founded Concept Animals in 2020. Um, and you definitely should follow her Instagram page, um, which is at hula hoop with an underscore. Um, she's oh, just, just to interrupt, I'm so sorry. I changed it to oh, okay. Eva Morrison. So yes, yeah, it's at Haley Levy Morrison. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you should definitely follow her Instagram account at Haley Labor Morrison. Um, she's one of my favorite people that I follow on on Instagram uh, to to see her art in the works. Uh, welcome, Haley. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Margaret. Um, so I want to jump right in to your art background and how you got into the field. Um, can you tell me, like, when did you first begin creating art? When did you feel it as like a, as a child? Was it something you discovered as an adult? What's, what's your background? Right. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that I've always enjoyed creating things, even as a child. And my mom still reminds me that I would get more excited about a box of new crayons than almost anything else. But I really started to delve into it deeply in high school. I started to take some AP art classes where I had the freedom to really delve into what being an artist could be. And then I studied uh, a Bachelor of Fine Arts at BYU Provo. And um, that was an emphasis in painting and drawing. And I did a lot of ceramics there as well. And then um, really, I knew then that I just I wanted to be an artist. And I also have had a corporate career, but my whole life, I think that's really what I've wanted to be. So so you pursued the corporate career for a little while and then... Yeah. As you can imagine, graduating in 2008 was not the best time to graduate, especially as an arts person. So I did, um, I, I taught preschool for a couple of years and then I had a career in recruiting. It started at the University of Chicago and I worked in the Career Services Center there and was exposed to campus recruiting. And then I worked with Bain & Company in Australia and then Gerson Lerman Group in Austin as campus recruiters for both of those. And that lasted for about five years. And then as soon as I could, I, as soon as my partner and I felt stable enough, I just decided to pursue art full time. And I've been doing that for about four and a half years now. That's great. Yeah. Um, can you... I mean, you've you've already touched on this a little bit about the challenges you faced in pursuing artistic study. You know, the financial economic aspect is always difficult. Um, is there anything else that you've 
struggled with as a working artist? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there. I I like to say that the some of the artists that I've met are the hardest working people that I know because not only are you you know financially trying to support yourself through creative arts, but you're also basically running your own small business, and that means anything from promoting yourself, social media, marketing, all of that, networking, um, going to art openings, trying to meet new people, um, and then also just the constant need to create and re-nourish yourself, um, refill yourself, take care of yourself. That's been a huge part of my practice um, because I am so vulnerable with what I what, what I make and my concepts. I do have to take time to refill my well and take care of myself. And um, that's been something I've really had to to learn and and take seriously. So yeah, I, I recommend to all artists take that very seriously. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you specifically about the vulnerability part. Um, so yeah, let's let's circle back to that in a few minutes. That's definitely something I've thought about as I've looked at your art because it is so much about. Um, yeah, it says so much about like your personal experiences and also I think your body experiences. And so yeah, let's yeah to that. Um or or we can jump into it right now. Tell me Yeah, that's fine too. Tell me about like how so yeah, like what is it like to put something that's so vulnerable about your faith and or your your sort of journey with the Mormon church and also, um, yeah, what looks like a complicated relationship with the Mormon church and women's bodies in particular. Yeah. So, um, I did, I grew up in a Mormon community. Um, I grew up in West Jordan, Utah, and I feel like I had a pretty all encompassing experience, um, with Mormonism. Every aspect of my life was touched by it. And in that um as i grew older and i had to have i had more experiences you know in the world and with people not in mormonism i started to realize that my experience was truly unique and i wanted to share that because um as i've been unpacking my upbringing and who i am now and who i want to become i realized that um a lot of the things that i learned you know as there were so many good things you know being a good person taking care of other people, serving, those are all beautiful things. But then there were other things that I found to be distracting to who I actually am and who I want to be. Um, I felt, you know, often that I was supposed to be the the perfect Mormon woman. <laughs> and I often fell outside of those lines or what I perceived to be those lines. And it, I started to realize later on that I, it was very painful for me. And there was a lot of anxiety associated with that. And so I know many other people like me and um, many women who have similar experiences. And I felt that expressing that through my art was important, not only for me as I work through um, everything that has been happening in my life, but also for other women that I know who have varying relationships with Mormonism, many who are still in, many who have left, and are also examining the impact of um, growing up in a, a, a patriarchal faith-based religion that's, you know, um, changing, but still, you know, has some some room to grow. And I think it's important to have dialogue about these 
you know, to use the word dialogue, I think it's important to have that word um, taken seriously and have artists and creators bringing it to the forefront and um, allowing voices to be heard. So it has been very vulnerable, very um, nerve wracking sometimes. You don't know what people are going to think when you create an image that um, could go either way for someone. So um, it is a risk, but for me, it's a very worthwhile risk. Uh, can can you elaborate on, there are a couple of your pieces, uh, the one that is behind you, um, Wanton Eyes, and there's another piece um, with, it's it shows um, like a back of a woman in garments and her, her bra strap. Yes. And it seems like, you know, these very particular symbols of the church that, you know, an outside an outsider might not understand. Correct. Um, yes. Almost uh becoming a part of the woman's body. Yeah. Uh, can you say more about that? How how do you choose these symbols? How do you see that um that intertwinement of the material and the the corporal, I guess, and what does it mean yeah. for you? Yeah, absolutely. Very good question. I think so. Um, to to talk about some of those symbols specifically, the young women medallion I use quite a bit. Um, I completed my personal progress program and I earned the young womanhood recognition medallion, and um, it was kind of a representation for me at this point of checking boxes, um, but also wondering um, what exploration I could have been doing outside of those boxes with my teenage years and wondering if, you know, those boxes were really about what I wanted to become as a person. And even then I wanted to be an artist and I was concerned about the idea of whether or not that would be supported by my community. And so, um, I think that specific medallion represented to me um, the the idea that I felt like I, I had to achieve the specific thing. Um, it was, you know, the ultimate goal as a young woman. And to to earn it meant that I was a good person, right? It meant that I had done all the things that I was supposed to do. I was obedient. Um, but then what had I lost maybe in the meantime? Um, and for me, it could have been that I didn't have experiences that might have led me to discover more about myself, um, or it could have blinded me from a variety of experiences that would help me understand the world better. Um, and so I've used that specific symbol in uh, several ways. And this portrait right here, Wonton Eyes of my mother, is uh, kind of just a, a symbol of that, not necessarily of my mother specifically, but of me and many women that have come before me. I'm a seventh generation Mormon um, who have submitted and been obedient, and maybe it hasn't always been to their benefit. Um, and then to go to the garment painting you were talking about, um, that painting's called Against the Skin. And I chose to use that. I wanted to do it in as respectful a way as possible because I do know that garments are sacred symbols to many people in the world and I chose to show the back because I thought it was recognizable enough but also respectful enough that 
um, it would invoke certain feelings from people who knew what it meant while also expressing to um, people who have no idea about Mormonism that the bra strap, the feeling of containment, of having something against your body that might not be comfortable but serves a purpose in society. Um, and specifically with the the garments, um, I had like a, a, compl a complicated relationship, especially as I first started wearing them. I felt like I had to throw out a lot of things in my closet, even though I wasn't particularly showing a lot of skin. Um, it felt very strange to understand how I was supposed to be dressing, what it meant to have something constantly on my body to remind me of uh, the covenants that I had made. And now looking back on it, um, I realized that I f had felt that it was supposed to be a very specific way rather than, you know, I didn't feel like there was much of a voice for me and to say how I could wear them or what my relationship to them was. And so for me, the a lot of those symbols that I use um, are kind of just like examining these these symbols, these tools within Mormonism that can be used um, to, you know, bring more faith, but also to constantly remind you to be better, to be perfect, to be a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, it had consequences. It created a lot of anxiety and angst and feelings of uh, guilt and not being good enough. And so I'm trying to examine those and potentially bring that to light for other people. Mm. Yeah, thank you. That's that's a fascinating answer. It, what's, what's one of the most interesting things to me about your work is that it is so vulnerable and so personal. And yet I don't come away feeling like I know what you believe and what you think about these things, which I am sure is quite deliberate. Um, yes, it is. Very. Walking away thinking more about like, well, what do I think about these things? Or how do I feel about, you know, the personal progress medallion and, you know, or, you know, these things that I have experienced as a woman in the church. But it's, it's this fascinating line that you're walking of like, yes. it's so personal and yet I have no idea I'm so glad that you're, yeah, this is exactly what I'm hoping for. So that feedback is exactly what I want. I, while it is so personal, I don't want, and like, I don't want to, you know, hit anyone over the head with my messaging. I just want there to be a contemplation and a dialogue because it is a personal experience, but it's so complicated and nuanced for each person that my experience does not directly translate to any single person and how they've experienced Mormonism or these symbols or, you know, any of the things that you wear on your body. Um, and so I, I, I'm I, not trying to preach necessarily. I'm just trying to create the opportunity for an interaction, some contemplation and, and dialogue again. Well, I think you succeed in just incredible ways. That's great to hear. Um, can you tell me about, like, up, I mean, we talked a lot here about how your work has engaged, has engaged with Mormon studies or Mormon culture. Um, can you tell me more about, like, how does your work reflect other values that you have mm -hmm. yeah. outside of Mormonism or, like, other parts of your identity? Absolutely. Um, so, as I've 
you know, seen more of the world and met a variety of people. I've come to have quite a bit of compassion for those who are striving for more um, representation and um, the ability to be seen. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, it's probably no secret. I'm very uh, female forward, very, you know, like I'm, I'm very much um, empowered by the idea that women are taking back um, a lot of their lives and a lot of their choice. And I'm a huge proponent of that. And I, you know, am living in Texas and there's a lot of talk about that here and um, about reproductive rights. And um, so that's all very close to me. I have specific friends that have um, very personal things going on that, you know, are really close to home for me. Um, and then also um, with LGBTQ uh, people of color, I am very progressive about those issues as well and do my best to, um, you know, represent in a, in a, like kind of in an ally way. I, I don't feel that, um, I feel that I can share my experience and my experiences as a white woman who was raised in Mormonism. And so while I'm an ally to other social issues, I think that sharing my experience has more to do with the feminist aspect, the the ability for women to have choice. And so that's uh that's my, you know, kind of like take on social justice, social issues. And while I, I toe the line within my artwork, I am in my personal life very much thinking about all of those things as well as philosophy, um, other ways of um that religions um, impact people um, and other, even, not just religions, but organizations in general and the way that um, people keep trying, people keep striving to have equal treatment. And I'm very much an advocate for that. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about this series that you did. Um, we have one of them in in dialogue um, called Vain Imaginations. Mm -hmm. I think you did four of them. Is that okay? Yes, correct. Yes. Uh, so, yes. Oh, sorry. Did you have a No, no. I, I, I'm just going to describe it a little bit for okay, yeah. listeners. Um, I think in all of them, there's a woman who is in a like a, a bikini or a tankini, and then there's a hand that's sort of over her um and in vain imagination she's lying horizontally and and her eyes are closed mm -hmm. yeah just this is one where i i feel uncomfortable looking at it good <laughs> i'd like to know more about what you were thinking absolutely yeah so i think that those four pieces were kind of my first foray into using a more um literal depiction of the female body and each of those figures they're actually mostly separate women but each of them are relatives um, of my dad sisters and cousins and those are actual photos from you know our family photo archive and um, I chose to use those figures and reference photos because I I thought it was interesting to see that they were wearing what would be deemed now as like modest bathing suits mm -hmm. but back then like showing your stomach was actually a really big deal and even 
even now in Mormonism, showing your stomach is a really big deal. And and then also, um, I know all of those women now in my life, and they have lived somewhat typical Mormon wife. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Like, I'm so respectful, and I, I know that they are very happy and love their lives, but they have lived the, the usual Mormon um, lifestyle. And so to see them kind of young and inhibited really brought to life, you know, um, for me, the transition from being a teenage woman, a teenage girl, I should say, to becoming a woman of faith and becoming a mother, becoming a wife, doing all of the things that you're supposed to do. Um, and then, of course, using the the hand that um, hopefully looks very masculine. Um, I use that hand to not only to note power, the largeness of the hand, um, and the fact that it just looms over the figures. Uh, it could clearly be seen as like, oh, that's patriarchy or whatever. But beyond that, um, in Mormonism, um, as many of you are as your readers and you probably know that the male hand wields power in a very specific way. And with the priesthood, um, even with uh, leadership shaking your hand when you're at a meeting, um, it kind of, is, you know, that like, hello, Sister, Sister Labram, hello, Sister Morrison, that I have heard for so long, um, always served to remind me what my place was in a lot of ways. And um, obviously the fact that, you know, my dad could give me a blessing, but my mom couldn't. Um, he could lay his hands on my head, but she couldn't. Um, so there there are a lot of, you know, things within just that male hand itself, but the representation of the female figure is you know, it's me, it's it's every woman, it's the feeling of being watched, of not quite having control of your surrounding, of never being able to just exist freely and, you know, just lying on the beach, not not quite knowing who's looking at you or what danger you might be in. Um, that's a general feeling that I have felt many times and I'm sure many other women have felt. Yeah, no, I I felt it for sure, and and had that exact feeling of looking at these pieces of a blessing and and the threat to of yeah. like what what's going to happen to this girl exactly. And her swimsuit looks just like one that I saw my grand. I have a picture of my grandmother wearing these, ah. um, and it reminded me of the the prom queen portraits in the halls of BYU and how they're all wearing these like um sleeveless or even um what do you call it like off the shoulder dresses and how much these like standards of what is acceptable has has changed yeah. and even though we think that they you know that we've always had the same standards of modesty exactly very good point <laughs> Um, one of the, the sad things about our, our print on paper, um, but luckily we do have all of the articles online is that we don't capture these really bright, um, colors that you use. Uh, there's one in particular from, is there no other way where you clearly have a temple interior, although again, 
I just think you're a master at like employing these Mormon objects, scenes that if you weren't Mormon, you would have no idea what you were looking at. And then if you are, you're like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Um, but it's it's clearly inside the temple, except it's like hot pink. Uh, you know, these really bright greens, um, sort of neon colors, completely opposite of the, you know, washed out beige and white and, you know, pale gold um, that we usually see. Um, besides the rest of the image, which is very powerful in itself, can you tell me, like, how did you choose those really bright colors to make it both recognizable and also like kind of shop shocking from the moment you you see it yeah absolutely um so a bit of background i was married in the salt lake temple my parents were married there their parents were married there um and i had you know over 30 ancestors that traveled across the plains to settle in salt lake city and no doubt had part in building that temple with their own hands so that that salt lake city temple has huge significance to me personally, but also to my, um, you know, progenitors. And so I think that in and of itself, the temple had already had this place in my mind and in my body. And then I wanted to depict it. And I've depicted a, a couple paintings that have interior temple environments, but this specific uh in reference image that I used that had the the altar, the mirrors that, again, you might not even know that they're mirrors unless you've seen this specific place with your own eyes. Um, I wanted to depict that because of just how consequential that impact of eternity is in Mormon doctrine and also just in my own way of thinking about um, life and the world and existence and so I used that architecture to surround uh, this female figure. She's leaning kind of casually and gently against the the altar, mm-hmm. which, any, again, anyone who's been in that space knows that this is one of the holiest places. And so to have her in a swimming suit, which would never be allowed <laughs> in a ceiling room, leaning against an altar could be seen as very disrespectful. But for me, it was seen as a, a rec- reclamation that she has the right to exist in that space how she wants to. And using the pink, um, it kind of unfolded. I knew that I would have pink in there. I just didn't know how much. (laughs) And um, by the end of the painting, I was thinking like, okay, is this too much pink? And I had a few friends say like, you know, varying things like, oh yeah, it's too much. And other people saying, no, it's great. And ultimately I was like, no, I, I really like the pink. I think Obviously, pink is used as a very feminine color and the brightness, the shockingness, as you mentioned, was very important to me to create a sense of like eeriness and surrealness that, you know, we know that this actual thing doesn't exist, but it it does for me, if that makes sense. It's it's a world that I wish I could live in and it's a world where maybe anything's possible. Maybe I could have, um, I could be a fully believing Mormon woman, but also maintain a lot of the independence that I hold so dear. So for me, it is kind of just like this surreal environment that I wish 
existed, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. You're saying the pink is is the woman claiming it, claiming that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, well, thank you. I I feel like I have I've spent a lot of time looking at your work and that means a lot. You talk to you and feel like I'm getting these deeper layers of understanding your work better. Um, can you tell us, you know, what are you, what projects are you working on, artistic or otherwise? What what's keeping you busy these days? Absolutely, yeah. So I just got back from a month long residency at Vermont Studio Center where I started a new project that I felt is very ambitious. It's, it incorporates a lot of 3D elements and it's also, it's a painting, but there are going to be a lot of 3D elements and I'm really excited to finish that up and share that with the world. But in the meantime, I have four exhibitions. Um, currently right now I have work, a small piece at the Springville Museum of Art and the annual salon. So if you're in Utah, please go visit that. And then I have a couple exhibitions in Austin, uh, one at Icosa Gallery and another at Contra Common, and those are opening at the end of May. And then I'll also be in a group show in Brooklyn, New York at Tchotchke Gallery opening May 30th. So if you're in any of those areas, please check it out. And I'll have new work for the Tchotchke Gallery um, piece. And I'm really excited. It's about, um, the piece is about Lot's wife, aka also me. So... <laughs> Um, I'm incorporating some new media in that as well, including salt from the Great Salt Lake. So stay tuned because I've got a lot of new exciting stuff coming out. Wow. Congratulations. All of yeah, that. thank you. Sounds fantastic. I'm pleased to hear um, that you're in all of those shows. And one well, sounds incredible. Um, so I already mentioned your Instagram page, but can you tell us where people can find out, like see your work, follow what you're doing? Absolutely. Yeah. So Instagram is definitely the best place to find out the latest and what I'm working on right now. But I also have a website, which is H-A-Y-L-E-Y.co. And you can see all of my past work, um, my, you know, anything you want to know about me with my bio, my artist statement, you can find it there. And I've done a few other interviews that you can check out online just by Googling my name. But um, yeah, look, read the dialogue journal, read the, see the art with it and read the words. And I feel like you'll get a good idea of my work and the feelings th that I'm trying to portray through it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Haley, for, for sharing your art with Dialogue Journal. And thank you for joining me today um, to talk about talk about your craft. I, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Greetings, my name is Rebecca Deschweinitz and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. 
To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit dialoguejournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Dialogue Podcast Network.